everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my new friend, Amy Lee. Hey, Amy, how are you? Hi, so good to be here. <laughs> thanks for having me. Oh, no, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time today. Um, so I have no idea what you do, but <laughs> our good friend Christina Martinez connected us Um Someone that we, or I've known for maybe like 20 years now almost. I, can't, I don't even know. But um, how do you know Christina again? Um, so yeah, I met Christina, one of the best humans that I know, um, yes, through um, church when I was attending Passion in Atlanta. Um, I actually met her when I was still in college um, at Georgia Tech. So she is a very near and dear friend of mine and has um, yeah, just been someone I have always really looked up to. And we've stayed in touch all these years. So Really yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, me too. I she's somebody that is she really is the best human being ever, mm. um, and also someone I looked up, I look up to. So, Christina, thank you if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Um, okay, so I like like I mentioned, I don't know what you do, and I'm excited to learn more about you and your story. So, Amy, what is it that you do for your job? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to get into it. So I work for um, a Christian nonprofit. Um, It's called International Justice Mission, uh, better known as IJM. Um, We're one of the biggest um, um, anti-human trafficking slash anti-slavery organizations um, around the world. And so specifically, I work in North America partnerships. And so... um, really the best way to explain it is any kind of like external partnership that um, we do as IJM is through my team. And so um, our team is kind of split up into um, buckets of artist partners. So if you think of like bands and singers, songwriters, things like that. Um, we also work a lot with major league athletes. We work with um, different types of conferences, a lot of like w- Christian women's conferences, things like that. And then I work actually specifically with influencers, ambassadors, um, and kind of helping build that program out and um, different speaking engagements. And so um, my specific role is a project manager slash like project lead, I guess. Um, And so I work on a myriad of projects um, and basically help execute on the deliverables for each project. And so to get like really specific, like as an example, it could be like um, I'm working on a project with... um, a social media influencer to talk Mm. about IJM. And so I help to like equip that social media influencer. Um, And if we need to create different assets, I'll work with the digital team, the creative team, different internal teams to execute on that. And so, um, yeah, basically, yeah, project managing, um, different, a lot of moving pieces, but I really, really love what I do. Um, Well, one, I know what IJM is. I'm actually familiar with it. We've had a guest on that used to work for IJM in India. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't do that now. He's a lawyer. No, but that's um, awesome. Yeah. And he, I remember, well, okay. He was like a church, like, you know, oppa, like kind of, mm-hmm. and um, from when I was younger. And then I had him on and he went went into it a little bit, but he's always, like always, as long as I've known him, has a, has had a huge heart for human trafficking. Mm. And um, he worked in India and actually lived in India for like two or three years. Yeah. Um, and but I know that it was part with partnership with IJM. But mm-hmm. for people that don't know and have no clue what IJM mm-hmm. is or about human trafficking at all, mm-hmm. um, would you be able to like kind of get into details about that? Yeah. So um 
the the main facts, I guess, that we share is that I think a lot of people think that slavery doesn't really exist in the world anymore. But the reality is that domestically and internationally, there's um, over 40 million um, people around the world that are still um, in bondage and are um, in a lot of different types of slavery. So I think mm-hmm. for me, even when I first learned about the issue, I had no idea that it was like Um, I just thought it was like trafficking in general, but there's actually a lot of different types of slavery. And so um, we actually don't do work domestically. Um, We only do the casework type internationally. And then our headquarters is based in the U.S. But um, it it depends on what region we're in, what we're focusing in on. And so, for instance, um, it could be anywhere from... um, online sexual exploitation of children in Southeast Asia to um, forced uh, bonded uh, labor slavery in South Asia, um, violence against women and children in Latin America. And so it really has a wide range of the type of of issue it is. But IGM specifically, we really focus on a specific um, kind of protection model. And so um, it's not just this idea of like, you go in and rescue like the victim, and then that's like the end of it. We um, really focus on going in as IJM, like focusing in on the problem. And then we work with the government, the local government and different NGO partners on the ground that are already there um, to kind of help um, like, like go in and keep the system accountable basically. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like we go in and make sure the government is doing what they have promised to do. And so if you go in and the, you know, the issue, there's a prevalence of let's say like 80% and the crime is, really, really high, um, then we go in and kind of like, um, I guess it's like, it's like offering the type of medicine that they need Mm -hmm. so that then over time, if, um, the crime is decreased, then ideally like IJM wouldn't be there forever. Um, our hope and goal is never to like be in a region for like forever. Mm -hmm. Um, our hope and goal is that like the government and the local partners can then take over the work and they like that we have taught them our protection model and our theory of change so that, um, they're rescuing people that they're, um, keeping the perpetrators, um, um, that there's justice involved there, that the victims um, and survivors are ultimately healed and that they are part of aftercare homes and that they are thriving in their lives after the abuse has happened. And so it's a very like holistic um, model. Yeah. And um, I think right now what we're really focusing in on is like, yes, rescue is important, but like ultimately protection is like what we want. Like we don't want this to happen in the first place. And um, when we go in right now, like we are ultimately wanting to protect like future generations um, from experiencing this abuse. And so um, right now as an organization, as we move towards like our next really big goal in a couple of years, um, that's what we're focusing in on in different regions. Yeah. I mean, that seems wise, like being preventative in, mm-hmm. in it actually happening. Um, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like what types of people make up the teams that go to these places? Mm, as you're like different, um, like uh, roles. Yeah. Kind like, of? Okay. like, is it like a, I don't know. Are they like volunteers or are they like oh. hired by IJM or? Mm-hmm. Um, so IJM's there, um, there are different like field offices, like set up in different regions. And so it is IJM staff, but I mean, we definitely do have volunteers in different regions. Mm-hmm. Um, and staff, usually it's, it's things like there's a team of investigators. There's a team of aftercare specialists, psychologists. Um, but we partner with local organizations like aftercare homes that are already like thriving and have connections to the communities. Mm -hmm. Um, We partner with um, 
like, yeah, just different, different organizations that are already doing the work and then might, might just need like more resources or things like that. And then we can kind of go in and partner with them to ultimately kind of implement our protection model, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. That's mm-hmm. really incredible, actually. I um, like so admire the work that you are part mm. of, Amy. It's really amazing. And I, um, uh, okay, so like you mentioned that you, uh, I know it's international justice mission, but yeah. why don't you work domestically? Like, yeah. Is there a reason for that? Um, that's a great question um, and something that I think a lot of people have asked. Um, I think I think our our like kind of model is that we don't go into spaces where um, the government like we can't work with the government sure. if that makes sense. And okay, so it's like, for yeah. example, like we're not we're not working in places where the government isn't, um, yeah, that we can't just, we can't partner with them. Mm -hmm. And in the U S I think it's a little different in the sense of like, um, that's not, that's not like the case, but it's almost on the other end of the spectrum of like, not saying that it's perfect, but like the justice system. And again, like this is from like, you know, the last two years, like there's been a lot of conversations about our justice system in the U S but overall, like it is a functioning justice system that, works I want to be like very careful with my words but you know what I mean like there's obviously a lot of issues here in the U.S. but overall like um yeah our there is a justice system that um where people are being held accountable and um things like that and so I think there probably is a better (laughs) wrapped up answer of Mm -hmm. like why we chose not to to work domestically from kind of our founders but um that is my understanding of of why yeah, no, I appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, to add to it, this is just my opinion, but, you know, yeah. it for whatever reason, I feel like foreign countries that do have less resources, um, mm-hmm. like, are are open and welcome to, to organizations like yours and mm-hmm. other NGOs that are on the ground in these, yeah, less resource nations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure there is a lot of red tape here in the States as well that you totally. have to kind of work through, which is yeah. unfortunate. But um, yeah, I get it. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, okay, let's go back to your, your job then. You are yeah. saying that you kind of are the project manager with the kind of influencers and ambassadors mm-hmm. that are you you're asking influencers and ambassadors to help you get the word out about IJM or what mm-hmm. is it exactly that you are asking them to do? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, it's kind of a myriad of things. And my job is actually very interesting in the sense of like, um, I kind of be, I kind of, um, end up being the project manager in the, in the gray space in the sense of like, I get um, to work on a lot of different kinds of projects. And so it's kind of new that I'm in this like engagements um, and influencers and, and ambassadors. like Which is so cool, by team. the way. That's such a... No. And then like, it's like, yeah. I'm sure it's like a new, mm-hmm. what do you, like little compartment of totally. the group because, yes. yeah, I mean, there were no influencers and ambassadors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I think as we grow as an organization, and when I say ambassadors, it's things like, um, you think of like UNICEF or these really big organizations that have these celebrity ambassadors. And I think as we grow as an organization, it's like, that's important to have. And it's mm. important to have these people that are celebrities and have really big platforms, like organically talking about our organization. Sure, and so yeah. um, my RVP of our team actually says a lot, um, within partnerships because that's like the name of our team of like 
our goal at the end of the day is like for IJM to become a household name. Mm -hmm. And so all of our projects that we work on, like that's what we're wanting to do. Like we're wanting to build a really big table. And so we like to partner with a lot of people that are all over the spectrum of um, politics, of religion, of like all these things, because at the end of the day, we can't um, just Christians alone won't be able to end slavery by ourselves, if that makes sense. And so like, Um, it's really important to us to partner with people that even like me, like myself might not even agree with like maybe their values or things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, we're going to move in this direction. And like, if you want to join us and partner with us and like, we will gladly like take you along with us if that, um, kind of like, yeah. So, so that's been like really stretching even for me of like understanding, um, we need people from all over and we, it's a joy to like build a really big table, but, um, so yeah, all that to say, like I work on a lot of different kinds of projects, but um, especially with like influencers and ambassadors, like one, it, it does help like spreading the word, them sharing about iJam to their trusted audiences of like, mm-hmm. especially ambassadors and influencers that have a really like engaging platform, like mm-hmm. their audience and their followers, like love engaging with their content, like things like that. Like obviously there's a level of trust there. And so mm-hmm. if that person is talking about iJam, then like that follower is so much more inclined to like actually learn about it and like want to be involved and like join the fight because they're that person that they're following is like really about it. And so, um, definitely awareness is one, um, resources and like actually raising money is like another one. And so it's really fun to work on different campaigns, like the Super Bowl or, um, uh, like Mother's Day campaigns or like all these like different kind of um, or like World Day Against Trafficking and Persons Day. That is like mm-hmm. the United Nations Day that actually comes up at the end of July. Um, kind of tapping into different influencers, ambassadors, all these like partners that we work with to amplify and use their voice to amplify our message. Um, and so I get to help with like making sure they have all the tools they need to do that basically mm-hmm. and help also to like make sure that they feel connected to our mission. And we talk about a lot of like finding that like IGM moment for them. And so like my IGM moment and like maybe the moment that, that I like clicked for me is different than like the person like Joe Schmo on the street. Like he yeah, probably sure. had a different experience with IGM and like something that maybe like broke his heart and really encouraged and motivated him to get involved. And so that's part of my job too, to like make sure that they stay connected and, um, uh, kind of help them to like get deeper into the work as we continue to like move forward as an organization. I see. Wow. That's um, incredible. And so like purposeful. I love it so much. But um, so like you as like the project manager for all of these things in this gray space that you were yeah. talking about and now you get to, put, I feel like it's so awesome that you get to have your hand in all these mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it look like practically? Like, are you on a computer all day or what does it look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, so I do get to travel a good bit for my job, which is fun. Oh yeah. And you so, just got back from Guatemala or something. I did. Great memory. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was, that was actually very fun. So I, okay. Twofold. I travel because, um, when we do, when it's like, a um, when we partner with conferences and so like, mm. let's take like a women's Christian conference, for example, IJM will like partner with that conference to, um, for us to like have a moment on stage, to, like talk about IJM and then kind of rally the people that are attending to like join the fight. And so for things like that, a group of us go to like help set up booths and help um, kind of scatter around and like tell people about IJM. And so I travel for that sometimes and that's like domestically. 
And then, yes, I got to go to Guatemala um, for my first trip to the field. We actually took a group of NFL athletes and their families um, down to Guatemala to learn more about the work down there, but um, to help them like visit the local partners that we work with, to, um, to visit a government-run institution that like kind of adopted our trauma-informed care model um, to help care for, for survivors in Guatemala City. And so um, took a group of them to like, yeah, kind of take them deeper into the work. And then some of them had never really like learned about IJM and kind of learned about it maybe through their chaplain on their team or through teammates. And so I had never been to the field before. This is actually my first time. Um, so it was a really um, very, very, very encouraging to be there. Um, this could be a tangent, but I think sometimes when partnerships is kind of like under the fundraising arm because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like North America, our headquarters, things like that, like we kind of fall under fundraising. Um, it's hard to like stay connected to the mission because you're mm-hmm. not actually in the field. Um, I don't want to say do, it, that is part of the work, like that we f- help fund the mission and that's really important, but um, I'm not in the field, like talking to, um, you know, that close to, to the work that we do in the field. So sometimes it can be hard to like remember that that's what, you know, is happening every yeah, single day. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so to be in Guatemala um, and to actually see it up close is really special and mm-hmm. to like be with the staff there mm-hmm. um, to hear stories um, from, from survivors and to see how impactful it is. Um, and truly the most like beautiful thing was to see the joy of the staff Um it's just such a pure and refined joy in the sense of like, they, they're doing this work every single day, like really, really hard work. Mm -hmm. And they're still so tender hearted and soft hearted Mm -hmm. towards survivors. Like we're all like crying, weeping when we see the survivors and they were honoring their bravery of like, they went through this aftercare program for the last three years and we get to honor them. Staff is like crying and again, so tender hearted when I like, Mm -hmm. they've worked here for years. Um, And then the next 10 minutes, like, or in, in the next 10 minutes, yeah, like we're like all laughing and like having a ball and just like gabbing. And usually like my personality is to like sit in the heart and it's really hard for me to like get out of that funk. Mm. Um, but it was so beautiful, like um, to not feel like whiplash in that moment. I like be like, I can, th- we talk about this a lot, I think in the US too, it's like holding the tension of both like the joy and the like the suffering. Um, mm. And, but sometimes it's hard for me of like, I just like want to be sad and I just want to like sit here and like spiral for a second, yeah, but yeah. truly so beautiful to like be around people that it's like that beautiful notion of like life is really hard, but you can also have hope and it's really like, it's real. Like the hope is really real. Um, and it never once felt like whiplash. It just felt normal yeah. when I was there of like, um, that's the beauty of life. And that is the beauty of like living fully alive. And that was really encouraging to witness and experience, um, up close. Yeah, that is so amazing. And what a, um, what a gift, right. To like be able to, to experience that and like just gain a shift in perspective as Mm. well too, right. Like to, um, you know, you're in the grind. You Like you said, like, you know, you're the one doing the fundraising for the people that are on the field. But when you're kind of like out of touch with those areas, mm-hmm. it's hard to, I mean, me too. I need to, I'm a vi- very visual person. But then once I see it, I'm all for it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I can do it with passion and just 150% hit the ground mm-hmm. running. But it's like when you are not, 
it's not tangible for you in that moment. You just know the words and the work, and you you see the numbers. I'm sure, but to witness it firsthand, wow! Like that is so amazing. Yeah, so amazing, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. that with me. I um feel really inspired, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I have to ask on a side note, you yeah. mentioned that you took a team of people with you to mm-hmm. Guatemala mm-hmm. Um, and they were some, you said NFL athletes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that would, I'm assuming, is for them to also experience, right? Like, yes. and yeah. And kind of maybe get, gain a heart for what IJM is all about. Am I right mm-hmm. in saying that? Yes. Yeah, that is exactly like the purpose of it. Yeah. And to kind of, um, yeah, like I think, like you said, like it's, it's, it hits so much differently when you actually get to experience it up close. You get to meet people, you get to put names to faces, like all those things and really make it real. Um, yeah, that is, that's definitely the purpose of it. Yeah. And do you feel like, uh, this trip did that purpose? Like, do you think it was effective? I 100% do. Um, I, it it was really cool to have like, um, kind of a dinner on at the end of one of the nights, Mm -hmm. um, and to talk through like, okay, like what was the most impactful thing for you? Like, what do you think, um, yeah, you learned what, or what are you going to do about it moving forward? Like things like that. And it was really cool to see, um, there's like one, um, family that had already been to Guatemala before. And so I'd already experienced it. And so even like, okay, what was different about this Mm -hmm. trip or people that, that came in like very blind, like, I don't really know what you guys are about, but I'm here to learn and to like, learn um that they were so impacted and moved by all of it um and had these like specific moments where um this was it like this was what really changed it for me or whatever um was really really encouraging and to see that even for the staff in Guatemala it was just as encouraging for them to hear like they were kind of like getting emotional and just hearing like thank you guys for coming like Mm -hmm. it's it's and for me to hear that was really sweet because I know it's I mean it's hard to host like even as much as you love hosting it's it's taxing and um to know that it was just as life-giving to them to have people in the field like really appreciate like what you're doing and to be here to like encourage you guys and all those things like it was really sweet to see it go both ways yeah it really is a partnership it sounds like in order Mm -hmm. for it to come full circle totally um Okay, so you have to take me back to the beginning a little bit of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Would love to, um, yeah. It's story not, time. not too far back, but um, you know, let's go to high school. You yeah, know, um, yeah. you were telling me that you. Um, so even though you met Christina in Atlanta, you are not from Atlanta originally, mm-hmm. um, and then you moved here in high school. You said. Yes. Yeah, I moved to the suburbs of Atlanta um, the summer before I started high school, um, and it's so funny because I. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think even thinking of like where I am today, like mm-hmm. I think we all go through journeys of, you know, growing up and becoming like more confident in who you are, like things like that. But it's been really um, life-changing, honestly, like to look back on the past specifically two years and understand like I um, have really come to appreciate my heritage a lot more and come to appreciate mm-hmm. like being specifically Korean American a lot mm-hmm. more. And that has, um, it's been really beautiful to see like how, because I'm more confident and appreciate and embrace my culture more, like Mm -hmm. that um, shows up in my work too. Like that shows up in what I choose to um, be proactive about and like to be involved in at work and to, um, and who I reach out to, like all those things, like it's really sweet to see how um, that the fruit of um, 
embracing and loving my culture has obviously in all aspects of life, but also specifically work to, um, helped me to become more confident in my decision-making and, um, yeah, just, just things like that. But, um, yeah. I really love that. That's so good. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, I guess that means to say when you were in high school, you weren't as confident in your identity is what you're trying Uh to Correct. Absolutely not. I would not recognize, I would not recognize high school, Amy. Um, and there is a sense of like wanting to, wanting to like go back and almost be like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it's this thing of like wanting to go back and look at high school and even middle school, like just growing up and understanding, I think everyone goes through this, but just like insecurities and all these things. But I do think it is confusing, I grew up in Louisiana and it's, um, grew up around a lot of people that don't look like me. And, um, I think for a long time, I just wanted to like fit in and just wanted to not even for myself, but my family. Like I wanted my mom to, to kind of fit in with other moms and like Mm. all these things and understanding that, um, at the end of the day, we're different. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I just think like that, like I didn't fully come to that realization of like, it's really beautiful that, um, I'm different. Like, and I don't even want to say like, we're all unique and all different, but I think, um, kind of coming into my own, honestly, in the last like two years has been Mm -hmm. such a beautiful process of, um, yeah, like loving, um, Korean culture and then understanding, like I can be gracious, like towards like younger me and understand, like, it happened in like its own timing and it's okay. Like if I look to my left and like another Korean friend, like went through that journey when she was 21, like that's okay. And that's her journey. But, um, reminding myself that like the younger me like did the best that she could with what she like knew and what she had. Um, and yeah, like all of it happened for a reason, like not to be cliche, but it did. (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, um, you know, can resonate with what you were saying too. Like, I, you know, we don't even realize what we're feeling in the moment, especially as <laughs> like adolescents, right? Mm-hmm. Like we just yeah. have no clue what, what all these feelings and thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in East Cobb, um, Georgia, Marietta, where I too was just a handful of Asian Americans. And um, on top of that, I, don't, I think I mentioned to you before, like my my parents are very Americanized. So mm. like I even more so felt so uh, foreign when I shouldn't have been. Like, you know what I mean? Like I I was confident in who I was, but at the same time was self-conscious in what I look like. Mm. But then I, t- I like and everything you were saying too before about like, you know, without even like, you know, your parents too, your dad or your mom and um, mm. wanting it to like mesh a certain way. Yes. Yeah. But no matter how hard they try or you try, you kind of start to realize, oh, like it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, and like, it's, we are just different. We're just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I'm just externally processed all of that with you. And that was really good. I'm not, <laughs> no, because I've never really, because um, even doing like um, Stop Asian Hate and mm. stuff this last year, last mm-hmm. year, like I really had to reflect and um, process things with my husband because mm. I was feeling like, oh, like I don't 
really know if I know this feeling of like hate that people mm. are talking about. I um I just felt like I've never experienced the ra- same type of racism that everyone was talking mm. about. But then it turns out I did. Like, and mm. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that these microaggressions were happening. I didn't mm. know, like, my parents, like, for example, like, my parents, like, they, again, like, super American, but they raised me to be, like, they didn't raise me to be small, mm. honestly. Mm. And so, like, I never felt that way. But then my husband was like, yeah, so why do you think they raised you that way? Mm. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Like, it never occurred to me. And, like, it never... I don't know why. It just never occurred to me. But anyways. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's so good. And I think I... That reminds me of... um, It was... I think it was, like, a comedy special I was watching. But someone was just talking about it the other day of, like... um, it's a comment. It's a comedian that is from South Asia, and he uh-huh. talked about how like his his dad had honestly like a pretty bad hateful attack happen to him, where like yeah, just said a lot of rude things. But his dad kind of being like, I mean, it's just like the way it is, though. Like, and just very accepting of like that's just the way it is. And mm-hmm. like, I think immigrants are so taught to just like put your head down, like get the work done, and just focus on like mm-hmm. what's in your lane, like all those things. And so it is a fascinating thing. I think even for our generation to like come into our own and to almost like reclaim Mm. the things that we feel like we either lost or like, didn't really understand like, Oh, I can like that. That's like mine for the taking. And I can like that, you know, I can take my seat at the table kind of thing. Like it's been an interesting, um, dichotomy of like, I'm almost like wanting to do it on behalf of my parents. And then also feel this anger of like, why are you angry? Like, why yeah. are you feeling this like sense of um, like ownership over this? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they, I mean, I think our parents' generation is very like, at least for my parents, they like don't feel any, like don't share emotional things, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, it's I think um, based on experience and like what they have experienced kind of immigrating and um, could never really understand like the amount of sacrifice it took to to do all that but to also just like focus in on like physically I'm going to provide for my family right I'm going to like do what has to be done mm-hmm. um and really didn't have capacity to think about anything else and yeah, so yeah. um yeah I kind of feel like that like in the sense of like I want to do this like for my parents mm-hmm. and um yeah I love that but what I was trying to get to <laughs> Um, um, was okay. So like you did high school, but then I was going to ask, like, um, even though, you know, high school is a tough time for everybody, Mm. I believe, Mm -hmm. but you know, going into college, um, what did you study? Did you know what you wanted to do Mm. with your life? I know we're just like tangent. No, it's all good. (laughs) It's all good. I love it. Um, I, Kind of, sort of. This sounds really funny, but so my sister went to Georgia Tech. I also went to Georgia Tech. Um, I was really good at like math and very like tangible things. Wasn't really super good at like, um, yeah, anything else really. But um, because I I just that, but okay. Thanks. (laughs) Um, My sister went to Tech to become a chemical engineer. Oh wow! Um, And I. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take all the hard classes. (laughs) Like engineering sounds really hard. Um, And initially I had the um, goal of like going to Emory and going to like a liberal arts school. And um, 
yeah, just, I think I knew I wanted to do business. I think I was really set on doing business administration. My dad is an entrepreneur and like started his own business um, mm. when he immigrated. And it's always been really cool to kind of see him like he truly taught himself everything he knows. Um, mm. And it's been really cool to like talk to him about the business side of things. And I've always loved like that sense of um, making things more efficient and making things like better. Um, and so we ended up visiting Georgia Tech and I was like, I don't want to go here. It's an engineering school. But somehow I visited the business school and just like really fell in love with it, um, which is so funny. And so I um, had the decision of like, okay, should I become, uh, should I major in business administration or should I do industrial engineering, which is like pretty much like the business of like engineering, Mm -hmm. kind of very similar things of very like operationally minded Mm -hmm. um, because I concentrated in supply chain and operations. I see. Um, But I mean, I'll be honest with you, really, the decision-making was, like, I don't want to take these engineering classes. (laughs) Like, I don't want to take, like, these, like, super, you know, even, like, computer science and, like, all these things. I'm trying to, like, take, like, you know, not the easier route. Business was still hard, but just in the sense of, like, how your mind is, like, wired. I was, like, I think I need to take the business route. Um, so anyone listening, it's not that business was easier. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but... well, girl, trust me. I'm like, um, no, thank you to both things. Yeah. So don't worry about it. <laughs> and it's that thing too, of, I think like for business, uh, classes, like we did a lot of case studies and that was really fascinating to me of like, you study and read a lot, like Harvard business studies of, um, like Zara supply chain or, mm. um, what worked at the Ritz Carlton and how they like really what their model is. And so like things like that in hospitality and like you'd kind of study a lot of different companies and like how their supply chain works, um, at least for my major specifically. So um, yeah, that was kind of what was exciting to me, but kind of, kind of knew I wanted to do business. Um, and it, a lot of it was honestly in part due to my dad. Mm. That's awesome. So um, you finished your business degree. Mm-hmm. Did you do like a capstone thing too? I didn't do capstone, but I had a couple internships over the summers. Okay. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, like Atlanta is the head are the headquarters for a lot of great companies. Yeah. So my first internship was um, my sophomore summer, I think, and interned doing kind of like, um, yeah, like operations supply chain internship um, at a company called HD Supply, which is like used to be the wholesale side. Oh, of why Home do Depot. I know this? Yeah. You've seen, you've seen trucks. It's, it's HD supply and it's now like separate, but used okay. to be the wholesale okay. department of Home Depot. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next summer I interned at Coke, um, which is super fun. Uh, I hear, I hear working for Coke is like great. It is great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and it's just fun. Like you get to, um, be exposed to so many fun, different things and it's a great company. Um, so yeah, I got to work on a couple different projects there again, like supply chain and very, like, I really stuck with like my major and like my major track. Um, so then, yeah, didn't do a capstone, but then, um, yeah, had those internships. I feel like I'm forgetting one for some reason, but I think that that was it. <laughs> um, okay. So you did all these internships that were super great. Um, but, what I mean like how did you get to where you are now like what happened in between that time and I feel like you would have to have a heart like for this type of work Mm -hmm. um, that you do currently so I feel like there's got to be a story in there of how things kind of played out for you 
there like kind of is, but it was truly a journey. So I'm going to just, just come along for the ride. Um, I'm here. I'm I'm here for it, girl. Get your your popcorn ready. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I graduated from Georgia tech, um, ended up working at UPS headquarters, Mm -hmm. um, kind of doing, again, it was like, I was in the transportation solutions department, which is funny because you're like, UPS is transportation. Like, <laughs> how, like what team is that? But specifically we worked a lot with like, um, healthcare companies and, um, tech companies, mm. uh, basically like crunching a lot of numbers for them. And, um, these are people that use UPS as like a freight carrier basically. And so I used a lot of, I don't even want to, I don't know how to explain it. Honestly, it's like just a lot of crunching numbers, being in Excel all the time, um, which was honestly looking back, I'm like, Ooh, that was a lot, (laughs) but kind of was there for like a year and a couple months. Um, but honestly, like it was a really good, um, first job out of college. Like it was, it was really hard. I ended Mm -hmm. up having three bosses in this, in the span of, I think six months. Oh, that's crazy. My first boss was awesome, um, but it was just, we, I hit it at like a really weird transition time in mm-hmm. the whole, like our whole team. So, but I learned a lot because those are the kinds of things like change management that you don't learn in college. Like that is really like, you got to get in and get your hands dirty. And that's kind of where you learn how it really works and yeah, how you yeah. respond to it as an employee. So did that. And then I ended up going to work for a small, uh, well, it was like a startup, but not a startup. Um, a tech company, um, that was in the live entertainment technology space, Ooh. um, in, in Buckhead actually. Yeah. And so it was a very, very fun culture, like a really awesome environment. I was an operations analyst. So again, like very on the track, all very similar, um, operations analyst specifically for the NBA and the NHL. I'm cool. the kind of person I know I'm very like <laughs> go sports, like couldn't care less. Um, but it was so fun. Like it was such a cool, um, environment to be in. I really, really loved our team there. Um, there's probably at the time when I started like over a hundred people there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, again, not really like a startup, but like they had, um, started, I think a couple of years prior and, um, was started out of Cox communicate Cox enterprises, um, okay. but then did so well that it kind of like became its own entity. Um, and really got to the company when it was like booming and it was like our job to kind of figure out how do we become sustainable. I see. And so I really love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so even as an operations analyst, I kind of got assigned like a couple teams. And so basically we had like a set of products, like a set of like live entertainment technology products that we worked with different teams and different partners on. And so it was my job to like, um, like execute on deliverables. So very similar to what I do now as a project manager, like it was, it was a project management position Mm -hmm. and, um, worked a lot with like the sales team, worked a lot with the, uh, the digital team, um, things like that, the strategy team, um, to kind of make sure that the partnership was like running, if that makes sense, like continues to be a success and that the app works and things like that. So that was a fun part of it. Like, I think I got to get my hands dirty in the sense of like, okay, a new, um, addition or like new thing of the product is coming out, like let's test it out. And so like, I love like doing that kind of stuff. And so I would always like kind of volunteer to, um, yeah, be a part of those like testing environments. And again, like it goes back to that, like operationally minded, make things better, test things out to like, um, what, how can it be more efficient? Like that has always been, I feel like my, um, 
I don't say like my gifting, but like what I enjoy doing. No, yeah. I mean, which is part of your gifting. Yeah, because yeah. really, honestly, Amy, I'm listening to all this. I'm like, wow, this is so great. I'm <laughs> so exciting. And I'm like, man, she loves her job. <laughs> No, it's just so good. And I'm like, I'm like, do I like that? I'm like starting to question. I'm like, yeah. do I like those kind of things? Oh my gosh. But um, that's really awesome. Mm. I mean, I do. I like being efficient and effective, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize like things like operational manager or supply chain and, mm. and, and even project managing was ultimately that's what it is. I've had other people on with these job descriptions, but they mm. didn't describe it nearly as articulated as you so I feel like I I feel like I feel like oh maybe I should reconsider what I think about Mm. these professions and careers so okay anyways continue no no no. (laughs) and that's the thing I think it um I think when I say project management too like I don't have my like it's called a PMP like that actually like going to get like certified as a project manager okay okay. and so I feel like my take and definition on a project manager is super different because Mm. I think I I probably don't follow all the steps of like, you know, all these like super high, <laughs> high, in, high intensity projects of that, you know, makes sense. But I, my entire career has been that of like being in a variety of projects or even mm-hmm. like at my, uh, the second job, it was at a place called experience, um, mm-hmm. that live entertainment technology company, like managing and like being the project or operations analyst on all these like different teams, like mm-hmm. that's projects. Like that was yeah. a set of 15 different teams I was helping manage, um, as the operations analyst. And so it's like managing all those different projects at once. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like my definition is like super like loose, I'd say, but, um, what's been really cool is that throughout my entire career, I've kind of been doing the same thing, but just in different industries. Um, and so that's been helpful too, of like, I have experience doing it and doing like juggling projects and understanding like, uh, priority management, time management, things like that. Um, but I've really had my hands in a lot of different pots, which is the way I like it. And so, um, yeah, I would be so stressed honestly. but, <laughs> but yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. You haven't seen, I do get stressed. Don't worry. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, um, you're, you have a stint at, um, experience mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. and then what happened after that? Okay, this is where it gets a little interesting. <laughs> Yay, I, I love it. <laughs> so excited so, right now. <laughs> so I will say um, this is like uh, fall of 2017. Okay. Um, I was really happy in my job. Could have like, I saw a trajectory of like, I am good at my job and I can see where like I could grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, could have like honestly seen myself being there for a really long time. But I my church was planning a different, uh, plant in DC Mm. and it kind of started in the fall of 2017. I, I didn't grow up in the church. And so I had no thought in my mind ever that I'm going to move to help plan a church location. Um, never was ever crossed my mind, but I came up to DC a couple times that fall to kind of help launch with the Mm. team and had a couple friends that were close that also did the same thing. And a lot of them ended up moving. Um, and the more and more I started traveling up to DC, I was, I was going up probably two to three times a month. Um, I know in the fall of 2017, I just like really was, um, was really deeply moved. And from then on, I just was like, okay, I think I'm in this. And, um, yeah, it was really, it was really just, um, set, had my mindset of like, I am moving to help play at the church. 
had a conversation with my manager at Experience and um, basically uh, kind of mutually decided like this job can't really um, thrive in a remote location, which I really appreciated like this honesty up front, but yeah. we kind of mutually decided like I was helping again with the NBA and the NHL and the season ends in May. Um, and so I kind of made the decision in like December of 2017 and like we mutually decided like I'm going to work until May because like I'm not in a rush to get there. And so like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to like give it my all until May and then I'll move to DC. Wow. Yeah. So I ended up moving in, in May of 2018 to DC to help plant the church. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, what? Go, go, go. Well, I was going to continue on in the story, but if you have no, any no, questions, no. we can stop. <laughs> continue, continue. I want to know one. Yes. Um, yeah. So basically what happened was I, I came out on like a volunteer basis. Like I wasn't like I was on staff at church or anything. Um, I ended up taking a break from work. Um, this is so unlike me. I did. I'm such a, listen, I'm such a like planner. I'm type A and I'm um, love to know what's next. And I don't no, that's like, me. That's me, girl. That's totally. why I'm like, yeah, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> Listen, I totally get it. And I, I hate change. Like I, I, yes. I remember when I moved from Louisiana, um, I mean, I was a dramatic middle schooler, but <laughs> so that's important to, to note, but I was very much like, I, I need to know what's next. But for mm. some reason, like I honestly, like really felt compelled to come to DC and was really, again, like deeply impacted by our church planning in DC and, um, that's how you know it's God and not you, man. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like I yeah. was responding to it in such a way that was so unlike me, like in the sense of, okay, I'm going to go. I don't have a job. I'll figure out where I'm going to live. And like mm. everything ended up falling into place. Um, job wise, I ended up not working for a year and a half. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Long time. Really long time. And truly when I think about it in hindsight, I'm like, I just took it a day at a time. Mm. And this is like the funniest thing I have always and even like my family members had said this too, like, and always kind of been like, Amy just like has favor in like her jobs. Mm -hmm. Like she just like somehow just like figures it out and always just like has favor in her, in her career basically. Yeah. And I did not apply to a single job within the year and a half, not a single job. Um, I've never gotten a job through a job portal. I've always kind of gotten it through connections and mm -hmm. through friends of friends. And that's like the way I like it. Mm -hmm. And, um, to me, like job portals are great, but it's kind of like an abyss. Um, yeah, yeah. and so I, yeah, ended up not applying to anything. I was kind of like having conversations with people here and there, but it just was never really like feeling rushed to like find a job. Um, and then in the fall of 2019, yeah. So fall of 2019, year and a half later, um, I was actually on my way to go on like an international trip because, you know, like I don't have a job. I can kind of <laughs> willy nilly go places, you know, like I didn't have a schedule. Um, but a friend that I went to church with in DC kind of called me and was like, Hey, would you ever be interested in working for IJM? Um, out of the, out, kind of out of the blue. Um, and I, and we had talked about it before all these things, but I never was like, Oh, I feel compelled to work mm -hmm. there obviously like the mission itself is really, I mean, I feel like all of us have a heart for that. Like we all have a heart for protecting the most vulnerable. And, uh, but I just have never felt this like super like close tie of like, I need to go work for that organization one day, mm. um, or even like be in that space. Um, I never really felt that tug, but, um, he said that and I was like, Hey, I'd be open to it. So I can send you my resume. 
had not even updated my resume. It's like, it still says I live in Atlanta. It still says like, you know, whatever to present, you know, like I still work at experience, like to present had not even updated. So I like send it in a word document from my phone actually to my friend. And I was like, can you like update these couple things and then send it (laughs) off to your boss? And so he ends up doing that. Um, I come back from my trip and I was like, I just wonder like what happened with that. And so it's like a week and a half later, call him back. And he's like, Oh, let me check in the boss then like emails me. And this is like the day I get back from this international trip. And he's like, Hey, like, do you have some time to just like talk on the phone? Um, so I ended up having like a 30 minute conversation with this guy who's now my, was my boss for a long time at IJM. Um, we talked on the phone for 10 minutes and he was like, Hey, so I would like to hire you for this job. If you're like wanting to take it basically knowing him now, I know knowing him now, it actually makes a lot of sense. He's one of those guys who's like, I, I have something that I need to get done. And like, I'm going to like Mm. set my mind to it and like get it done. Um, and it was for a contractor position. And so it wasn't even like full time. It was just this, like, I mean, it's 40 hours a week, but it's a contractor. Um, and you would basically be coming in to like be a project manager, um, again, in this like gray space of like, we have a project manager, but she's so overwhelmed and over capacity. Like, we're just going to like give you the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, I was like, I mean, honestly, like I have the experience and would love to do it. And after some prayer and some time of thinking about it, ended up taking it. Um, and it was so funny because I never would have been like, I took a year off work for a year and a half and I didn't expect to go back into the workforce as not a full-time employee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt right. And I think you asked earlier, like mission wise, like obviously like you've cared about this, so, like you wouldn't be here, mm-hmm. you know, like if you didn't. But I think what was really cool is that I've, I've loved my time at like fortune 500 companies. And like, who knows, maybe I'll go back to working for a big corporation. Like I could, I could totally see that, but I think for now where I'm at and where I was when I joined IJM was Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard for me to like sit and work on an Excel sheet or do work when like life hits and it gets hard, like a loved one dies or even in the world, like something happens in the world that is really uh, traumatic or sad. Like it's hard for me to like sit at a computer and do this work and not feel tied to a greater mission. Mm -hmm. And I think I experienced that when I was at my second job of like, um, at experience of like, Mm -hmm. I'm going through this tough things. My community is going through these hard things. And I'm just, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, um, ultimately like it was a great company. Don't get me wrong, but ultimately like helping people have, um, more fun at live events. Like Mm -hmm. it's important, but at the end of the day, like what is the greater mission at stake? Um, and so I think that was kind of what was I, what I was thinking about in the year and a half of like, not really looking for jobs, but kind of processing, like, do I want to go into the nonprofit space? Like, what do I want to do with the next couple of years? Um, and I can truly say like being at IJM has been really, really awesome. Like, and I don't want to like romanticize the work that we do. Like it's hard, you know, like nonprofits are not this like shiny thing, but um, it's been really encouraging to be here. And I really, really respect and admire the people that I work with. And um, I've learned so much and I've grown even like as a professional, like I am being put on projects that I don't feel equipped for. And it's been really cool to like, see on the other side of it. I did that. Like I can do it. Um, and to learn that I'm being stretched even in my skill set is really cool, but to have felt like the foundation of it is project management, like that I've done in different careers or different industries. So that was a long-winded answer or or continuation of my journey, but that's kind of how I got to like where I am today. Perfect answer. Perfect, man. That is incredible. And so much, um, change which Mm. you don't like but 
uh, it just goes to show like when uh, I don't I don't always like over spiritualizing things, but mm-hmm. you know, you and I, I think we both are connected as mm-hmm. um, in our faith, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's something we can ignore. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact that you trusted whatever conviction you had um, in making the change, a huge life change, right, to move to D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment and the favor that God has had over your life since then is, like, truly incredible. Like, mm-hmm. I, um, but, but you know, it's, like, all to say, like, what if you didn't obey? Yeah. You yeah. know? Like, what would you be doing now? I don't know. I'm sure it still would be great. And it, totally. it would still be part mm-hmm. part of, you know, God's control and sovereignty. But, um, man, how incredible, how incredible mm. the impact that you you are making right now through IJM as a conduit to that. So, I mean, mm. so awesome. You're so cool. <laughs> You're so sweet. Um, mm. Well, Amy, you know, we are kind of, oh, I wanted to ask, so before mm-hmm. I ask my final question, yeah. which I usually ask my guests um, mm-hmm. at the end of our time together, is um, what is something you like most about your job? Mm-hmm. And also, what is something you like least about your job? Great questions. Um, what I like, okay, I'm going to start actually with what I like, maybe. Okay, I, it's not that I don't like it. It maybe is like the difficult part of okay, the job. Okay, challenging part. Challenging, challenging yes. part. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I really, I really do like my job. It's not perfect, but I really, really love it. Um, I feel like the the difficult part is. Um, this sounds weird, but I think like I'm such like a like a tangible like I really like um, knowing and having structure and sure. all these things and kind of I think I've realized. I, I'm really good at like small, par- small projects, but I think, um, the difficult and really stretching part of my job is like being on bigger projects that have like this long, um, runway and have like this big strategy and that I'm helping to inform the strategy and like, mm. but it's a couple months, you know, like those are actually, I think I've realized like difficult to work on, but I've really enjoyed it because it's really stretching me. But I think I've realized like I'm really good under pressure. And so, I see when I, I do those like kind of bite-sized projects, I can like do it and I'm done. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I got it out yeah, the door yeah, and yeah. I feel really accomplished. But I yeah. think I've, I've realized like that is like, you know, part of project management. You're not managing all the different or all the same kinds of projects. You're managing a lot of different variety of projects. Mm-hmm. And so that is honestly really hard for me, at least with my personality and my or not even personality, but I guess my, like my giftings and like the way I feel like I'm wired. Mm-hmm. And so that has been really, but it's been like good for me. It's been good to like push me. Um, what I really like most about my job is the connection piece of like, mm-hmm. and we kind of bonded over this, but like, I love connecting with people and I love, um, yeah, I just love meeting a lot of different kinds of people. And so it's been really fun to like, not even, um, connect with like ambassadors, influencers, all these like external people. But because of this, like I end up working a lot with internal people to like get what I need in order Mm -hmm. to execute on deliverables. And it's most oftentimes than not, like I'll end up on a different project where I talk to and meet a lot of these different kinds of people within IGM that I didn't get to at the last project. And so it's been really fun to be in this position where like I get to connect with a lot of different kinds of people. And through that, I get to like learn their stories and like talk with them. And then like once a project ends, I'm like, oh, we always always will have this connection point. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's like 
honestly what I, I really love about it. I'm really grateful that I don't feel like pigeonholed and that I um, truly do get to like meet so many different kinds of people and even going to Guatemala, like now I'm connected to the Guatemala staff and that is really special. So um the best part about my job is I just love people. And so yeah, yeah the people is the best part. <laughs> and Amy, I, there's no doubt in my mind, people love you too. So it's, mm. I'm sure it's um, so easy for you. I'm sure to make these connections. Mm. Um, okay. So the, usually the last question I ask people yeah. is um, if you have any advice for somebody that um, maybe is thinking about pr- something in project management mm. or just like life advice at all, Mm. anything that you feel like you'd want to share? That's a great question. Um, I think, I guess my advice would be like, um, just try things and give it a chance. Is that easy for you trying things? Cause it's not for me. Okay. As I get older and I don't know if you feel this, but like I said that I don't like change. I feel like I really like change now. Okay. And like things like I didn't, I don't like to try things. I like to try things now. So I don't, I don't know if you feel that, but I, d- I definitely feel like it's um, that type anus has like expanded mm-hmm. and grown That's a little. So I will say, I still think I don't like trying things, but yeah. having children has changed me. Totally. Yes. And so like, because I think about them and because like I have to be more flexible because of mm. them, I am more open to trying things, mm. new things. But okay, totally. continue with your advice. You were saying yeah. try new things. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, trying new things and like giving, giving time time to yourself to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I'm a really big advocate of like, um, I think, I don't know, we're just in a culture where I think it's like, oh, it gets hard and you want to leave. And I think yeah. there is that balance, that fine yeah. balance of like, um, I don't, I don't want someone to like stay in a toxic culture. Like I think, um, with one of my jobs, it was, I was like, I know it's time to leave. And I could tell when it was time to leave, but I think, um, you know, when it's that time, I think like you can trust your gut and you know, like when it's time, but I think it's that, that notion of like, you go where you're sent and you like do what you can. And you do that until like, it's time, it's time to leave. Mm -hmm. But it's that thing of like giving yourself the time to actually adjust to like trying something new and, um, not just leaving at the first sign of like failure or the first sign of distress or like the first sign of like, whatever it is, but really at least giving yourself like a chance to, to like it, adjust to it. And then if, if that's like, not what it is, like, it's okay to go on to the next thing. But, um, yeah, I feel like that would be my advice of like, um, try it and then give yourself some time. And then if it's not, it's okay to like move on and to mm. not feel like you're a failure for, for leaving or for quitting. Um, I think that that's also a, the hard thing to, to balance too, of like that, um, the dichotomy of like being faithful and like wanting to like stick with like long obedience to the end versus like, when is it actually time to go? And it's like, okay, to like release something and to go on to the next thing. Like that is such a hard thing to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I think um, you're able to discern that and um, trusting your instinct in that I think is really important. Yeah, man, that is so good. So, so good. I really like the piece about giving yourself time. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, you're right. And I think we do live kind of in a season or a long season or culture of like giving up on the at the first sign of like disappointment or failure, failure running the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, not with everybody, but 
um, I have noticed that more, I think, mm. um, in uh, a newer generation. And I, I think it's contagious even for myself sometimes where I'm like, this is too hard. It's fine. Like, just mm. give, whatever, move on to something else. But like, yeah. but yeah, I really love that. It's that's so such good advice. Give yeah. yourself some time before you just give up on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm. Well, Amy, you are amazing. As I mentioned several times mm. before, thank you again for coming on and sharing uh, so transparently about everything. Mm. I really appreciate it. Um, would you be open? I I feel like you would be because yeah. you like connecting with people. But yes. if there's somebody that maybe wants to chat a little bit more about your job or mm. has more questions about your story, would you be open uh, to me connecting you with them? Um, absolutely. Truly. Like if you ask any of my friends, I'm like notorious for this. Like I love connecting with new people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, please send them my way. I would love to to chat with anyone who wants to know more. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you again, Amy. Guys, if you want to chat with Amy, um, I can definitely connect you. You can DM me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks, thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Bye, Amy. Bye, guys. Bye. See ya.